Hey, this is Sayyam Bhutani and you're listening to Chai Time Data Science, a podcast for data science enthusiasts where I interview practitioners, researchers and calculators about their journey, experience and talk all things about data science. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chai Time Data Science Show. In this episode, I interview Jason Antich, the creator and researcher at Dolify. This is the second time I am lucky enough to be interviewing Jason. So, if you haven't read my previous blog interview with him, please do check it out in the description of this podcast. This interview is really a continuation of that so i highly recommend that you give it a few minutes that will definitely be worth of your time in this interview we talk all about jason's software engineering experience yes software experience applied to deep learning his journey with dolify how he came up with the idea of dolify and how he kept on improving it we talk also broadly speaking a lot about software engineering practices and how those were helpful to jason while working on dolify fast ai and even the top down way of learning we talk a lot about that as well in this interview we also talk a lot about jason's at- attitude which i believe led him to inventing dolify if i may of there always there is always a solution to every problem you just need to put in the efforts to will to find it sooner or later for now here's my conversation with jason all about dolify software engineering and the top down way of learning with a quick note to the listeners if you're watching this video on youtube please remember to enable the subtitles these aren't the auto generated subtitles i have manually fixed and uploaded them so i hope that improves your watching experience the blog version of this interview will be published later so if you're excited about that you can find the link to the website where it will be published in the description of this podcast for now here's the conversation please enjoy the show Hi everyone I have Jason on the show actually on the series for the second time Jason thank you so much for joining me on the interview series again Yeah thank you my pleasure It's again a great honor to have you on the show for the audience uh, that might have been living in an alternate reality I'd recommend that you check out the previous interview and for the lazy people who didn't go check that link in the description could you please give a 50 fit overview of what Dolify is Oh, yeah, sure. Uh so Dolify was this project I started last year about one and a half years ago actually that was basically originally supposed to be just this capstone project for fast AI. Um and it was going to be like a few weeks and I was just going to go ahead with this idea I had randomly in the shower that mm-hmm. uh, I could use GANs to make uh colorization of images was that quite literally a shower thought for you yeah i mean it was like so <laughs> so i have this habit of like if i have a thought like that that i write it down right away 
So it's actually like one out of like 15 or 20 different okay. uh, project ideas that I had on the list. And I chose that one specifically because I was like, oh, you know, if I get this to work, it'd be really cool. And, and uh, you know, I think people would really like it. So that, that was pretty <laughs> much it. Uh, and it took about like six weeks of, you know, so, so, so the, the, the core idea was right, but it's just like the actually getting it to work was the hard part, of course. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of, it's kind of funny. I was documenting my work on Facebook, posting images to the family and they just thought I was crazy because the images just looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they laughed about it. I mean, like, I just, I, I it's actually like picture after picture of these, uh, fish that were color colored with all these rainbow colors and it just looked yeah. so awful <laughs> but then <laughs> just just one day it wound up working and mm. uh then i got excited and uh, posted it on uh github and reddit and that's yeah. where it went viral yeah uh were there any projects for context that were at least similar even in a percentage to this when you had this idea yeah, I mean, there was, there was a previous state of the art uh, that, that had been done back in 2017, I think it was, or 2016. Uh, it was, I think it was called Colorful Colorization or something like that. Uh, but yeah, there was a previous one and it was actually uh, hosted on Algorithm. Yeah, I think it still is, uh, the website. And so you would, you know, upload your pictures on there and it would come back with uh, something colorful mm-hmm. but it wasn't nearly as good as deal is <laughs> today honestly yeah. but you know for the time it was uh pretty impressive got it and i believe it's been around an year and four months since the oldify went public so to speak did you anticipate it getting to this stage or like there's still some lag in your vision like it's behind as per your vision uh okay well first of all uh, when I put it up on GitHub, I really did not expect it to go viral to the degree it did. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, the thing that made me realize I was kind of in a whole new role that I wasn't accustomed to <laughs> was uh, the, the morning after I put it on Reddit, I saw that Cory Doctorow of Boing Boing uh, mm-hmm. put an article up about it. And I was seeing all these people starting to talk about it. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's gone viral. <laughs> uh that was just a really weird feeling for me. And I, I, I actually got like this sick feeling in my stomach that lasted the entire weekend. Well, okay. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. My, my role has definitely changed. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, the original vision of the project was to create something cool in six weeks and move on. Right. Yeah. Uh, instead it's taken over my life and I've been doing <laughs> it ever since. Yeah. Uh, so really I would say the vision has been evolving over mm-hmm. the, the past year and year and a half. And, and, uh, it's just basically after, once I solve one problem, I just keep on getting more and more ambitious and, and wanting to make it more and more perfect. That's basically what's driving it. So it's, and, <laughs> it's just kind of meandering in a vast forest of unknowns and trying to be perfect. And I I recommend to the audience go follow uh, Jason on Twitter. He's S C I T N A J Sitnaj on Twitter, and yeah. it's it's been a surprise for me. Like you tweet these out every day, and it might become normal eventually on Twitter. But 
I'm still surprised like how good it has been even since when it came out and now it's been getting better. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, yeah, it has been getting better uh, even since uh, the last open source release in May. Mm-hmm. Um, iteratively, little by little, I just, you know, keep on knocking out the different problems. It's like I, I basically characterize it as uh, finding the next uh, bottleneck. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, can we talk about the evolution of the project? Was there any point which was like a huge improvement, any major stages of evolution that you want to point out? Um, yeah. Uh, so the initial release was uh, the, the GAN-based colorization, which uh, was a, a pretty big improvement over state-of-the-art previously, uh, chiefly because it was very colorful and yep. uh, it was pretty. Uh, but you know, they had a lot of problems. They had uh, a whole bunch of glitches and you had to like, <laughs> you really had to cherry pick like one out of a hundred pictures would actually look maybe decent. And I've been looking at these, you know, lately, uh, at the old, old model. I'm like, Oh my God, that looks terrible now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so the next release, uh, in between that and the next release, uh, the, the big priority in my mind was to, uh, work on those glitches and stuff like that. So, uh, so that relates to the Nogan work that uh, Jeremy and Sylvan and I worked on for his yeah. course. So, um, it was, so, so we worked on that. That was based on like my Deolify work. We it kind of spawned from there. And basically, uh, what Jeremy wanted to do for that course is to uh, introduce uh, Gam work that I had done into uh, lesson seven mm-hmm. and we were trying to make it, you know, in a fast AI sort of uh, flavor, which is that it, you can train it fairly fast, right. And it's practical because, yep. you know, GANs in particular, we're using up a lot of hardware, yep. you know, at, at, the, at that time. Uh, and, and so typically it seemed like they were pretty out of reach for, uh, you know, individual practitioners, I'd say on their desktop. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I was thinking about Jeremy's ambition here and I was like, well, you know, if we really want to make this practical, if we can get transfer learning to work, uh, th- that would make this a lot more practical and easier and it, it, tra- it would train a lot faster and it might even look better. Yep. Uh, so that's where uh, Nogan was hatched and Jeremy loved the idea and for the next two weeks, and this is two weeks prior to his course, we were just bounce, and him and I and Sylvan were bouncing these ideas back and forth, working rapid fire. It was really exhilarating. Uh, and we wound up making it work. You know, I, I wouldn't say it looked perfect, but uh, what we presented to the course was pretty cool. Uh, from that, uh, I saw the potential of um, taking uh, the GAN stuff I did and getting a handle on the glitches and mm-hmm. the quality. Right. Because basically I've seen that and I'm saying, well, you know, you know, I think uh, it seems like the longer you train with a GAN, the worse these glitches get. So maybe the answer is to avoid GAN training as much as possible. And this right. is counterintuitive when you start out because you would expect the opposite based on what at least you read in books or what you read in these blog yeah. posts that are out there. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because up until that point, my thought, and I think this is what most people assumed, was uh, that GANs were the answer, you know, to getting more realistic and higher quality images. But yeah, my my thinking with this evolved to uh, GANs are a tool to get there, but they also are a double-edged sword. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, people were recognizing that they were difficult to to train and stuff like that, but to you know figure out a way to actually make that work for you to get the benefits without the the difficulties was a real challenge. You know, and I think most most people at the time were trying to tackle that problem from the standpoint of like uh, stability and and GAN training, which is still a, you know a big challenge. Uh, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Um, so I, I was trying to take it, you know, from the other, another angle, which is, well, how do you use what we have already in a more effective way? You mm-hmm. know, I really like thinking about problems in that way. Yeah. We'll talk more about Nogan in a bit, but I want to fo- zoom out and focus on another theme, which is learning to learn. Now, I, in your previous <laughs> interview, you mentioned that after a few follow-ups with a few online courses, you decided to invest your time into fast day. You took some time off from work. Can you tell us what approaches and methods did you learn and experiment while you were like doing this course by yourself? I, I remember you took the course online and not in person. Uh, yeah, online. Uh, okay, so I, I want to give you a little bit of a background on this because I think this is really probably the most important aspect of it. Um, I was interested in deep learning for many years, uh, like ever since like 2012 when uh, AlexNet uh, took over ImageNet and just blew away the competition. And I knew from that point on, I was like, you oh, know, this, this is going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to get in on that ever since. And uh, I started trying to take in uh, online courses around 2015. Uh, and, you know, I tried some of the really reputable courses taught by reputable people. And I just, couldn't hack it <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, so i i tell people I, I you know i rage quit a few times on these uh for various reasons um i won't go you know i'm not going to trash anyone course here but i'll just say that they were not very effective for me not very practical yeah 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 exactly uh and you know a lot of them suffer from the same thing that uh, fast ai tends to uh, stand against, which is uh, things like elementitis where you're learning, you know, all these prerequisites before you get to the actual thing you want to do, for example. Uh, So I finally came across Fast AI uh, a few years ago, the version one course. The first version, original one? Yeah, the first version. Okay. And I loved it. Um, And I got quite a ways through, but um, the only problem I had at that point was, is that you still needed to take a lot of time with it to really do it right. Yeah. So I wound up taking a bunch of vacation days to do it from work, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and, and after I ran out of those, I was like, okay, this is not sustainable. <laughs> I need to, I need to figure out a better way to do this. So, uh, that was my only beef with it. I mean, otherwise I was like, wow, this is so great. I just wish I could spend more time with it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's what I did the the following year. Um, <laughs> I saved up saved up a bit of money and then uh, uh, 
negotiated a part-time uh, hours at, at work and mm -hmm. then really sunk in a lot of time into uh, FastAI version two okay. and did that over the course of three months in the summer. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, when you ask about learning to learn, that was a huge component of it, just simply setting aside the proper amount of time to do it, Yeah, you know, and to allow for uh, experimentation and, you know, learning the things the right way before you, you move on, you know, right. I think that's uh, something that um, it's a little less convenient, but that's really what needs to be done a lot of times. It boils down to that because it's, it. yeah. Um, you know, as far as, as far as everything else about learning, I mean, that fast AI really leads you on that. Like, like they really have a great uh, philosophy mm -hmm. of, you know, what it, what it, what, what, what it means to learn effectively so that, you know, as you know, they do the, the top down approach where, you, yeah. do, you know, the very first thing you do uh, day one is uh, a classifier of cats and well, it used to be a cats and dogs. Now it's, it's like a dog breed. Dog breed. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's just really motivating, uh, you know, from, you know, personal experience, it's just, um, you're like, wow. And you already feel confident from day one that you could expand upon those ideas and do many, many other things. It's just a great feeling. It's just so different from uh, previous experiences. Yeah. The thing I feel like, and I've been involved in a few study groups, I feel like all of the fast A students get confused of how much depth to actually go in because top down is something we're totally un unfamiliar with. So you might see something cool happening on Twitter, then you've just done lecture one, but you want to go off course and start following that so how do you avoid that or how do you focus on how do you decide on what to focus on well okay so that's a very interesting question because uh i i feel like that's the uh real advantage of setting aside a whole bunch of extra time is yeah. that you can go down those rabbit holes because i think you should mm -hmm. honestly if, if it's if it's interesting to you uh that is probably going to be the best motivator for you to learn because uh, you know the stuff's a very broad field. I mean, I, there's, I mean, fast AI covers a whole big range of, you know, what's in deep learning. You know, it's yep. you know the vision, the tabular, the uh, NLP stuff. Um, and I would contend that, yeah, you probably can't become an expert on everything. It probably pays to know that stuff you know, yeah. to a certain extent for, you know, I, I like to term it cross pollination of ideas, um, you know, to take ideas from computer vision and apply them to NLP, like transform learning. Then to which, guns. Which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but ultimately, ultimately uh, you're going to have to pick and find something that you uh, love. And if that happens yeah. to be the first thing you see in the course, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say go for it. Uh, so again, that's why I think setting aside a lot of time for it's very important yep. to not rush it, but rather explore it. Yep. I think that answers the project aspect of it. I believe that's how DOLify start. But what about yeah. the other student, half of the uh, students of FASTA that want to learn another thing that's not been yet taught in the lecture that's not covered. How do we like decide how much time to spend on it? Because that's 
that leads you to one course from the other and it becomes an infinite learning loop of course uh, <laughs> yeah i mean you can go crazy i mean like yeah if you're not if you're totally not disciplined about it then uh that could be a problem too for sure yeah <laughs> so did you have any tricks or like was it a natural flow for you you didn't get stuck in any rabbit holes there no luckily i didn't i didn't get stuck in a rabbit hole until I found the old fly <laughs> which I'm I'm okay with. I mean it's paid off, right? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Uh okay, now coming back to Deoldify for a little context again, can you tell what's challenging about Deoldify? You've been continuing on working on it for quite a while. How has the problem not been quote unquote solved yet? Oh, yeah, I mean the way I see the problem uh phrased in papers is they call it an unconstrained problem. Uh, meaning that, you know, for example, an article of clothing can be many different colors. In you know, if you think about it, you're not, you're not going to be able to train a model, no matter how big and sophisticated it is, to memorize and know every single thing in the, in the world, like what color it's supposed to be, especially like articles of clothing and cars and, you know, all that stuff. So there's no right ground truth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent there is, you know, it depends on what you're talking about, like grass and the sky and, and skin and skin and uh, specific types of flowers and stuff like that. Um, so not completely true. That's it's a hundred percent unconstrained, but it's um, there's a lot of wiggle room, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, so it's ch- particularly challenging for a model in terms of like, not only uh, is it impossible to get all that data, um, but also to get a model that will still confidently choose one or the other, and not like give you brown for everything because it's average, which is what, what, what was one of the major problems I had to tackle uh, with this stuff is, you, you know, the tendency would be to, to cheat. You know, yeah. and, and just say, okay, well, I give up. Everything's brown or gray, you know. <laughs> that, yeah. That's basically what a neural network will do if you're not careful. Right. Yeah. Um, now, can you tell us how did you find ideas for improving? Like once the first version, which was relatively stable, how did you find ideas to improve? Did you go through research papers? Because I remember you mentioned that you're not very good with math heavy papers. <laughs> oh yeah, I just talked about that yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, what I was saying yesterday in that, in that uh, Twitter uh, thread that was- That tweet thread, yep, I'll have that linked in the <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, you know, basically what I was saying there is that I'm not particularly gifted with math. You know, it's, it's a struggle, like I, I you know, I can read this stuff. I, and, and I don't want to be, I don't want, you know, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I, I was math minor. Uh, I took the courses like linear algebra and, and all the calculus courses that you could take. Um, but, you know, I kind of more survived the courses than <laughs> actually really <laughs> uh, truly understood a lot of it, you know, so you, 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 you remember a whole bunch for the test and then you forget it that sort of thing. Yeah. As opposed to the coding stuff, the coding stuff was like, you know, a lot more intuitive to me. <laughs> so still to this day, it's just, you know, I think of, uh, uh, the math and papers as like a bad programming language. It's really hard to read. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I just had to, you know, read it on my breath one, you know, one character at a time and then go back <laughs> again and again. And hopefully, and my hope is that I get at least some intuitive sense of what's going on there. And then I can run with that little uh, intuitive building block in my head and then mm. play with it from there, you, yep. you know? Um, so that's basically how I approach papers is, you, you know, I, I really hope that they have the code. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's really what I want. Yeah, <laughs> I try to get the core idea of what they're doing, and then I try to uh, simplify it from there. That's one of the first things I try to do, and I've had a lot of luck with that. Uh, for approaching research papers, do you just go through the equations real quick and approach the code and try to pick cherry pick uh, ideas from there. Yeah, cherry pick. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, way to to put it. Um, you know, I, I, I do think uh, a lot of times initial efforts uh, tend to overcomplicate. Um, so I don't try to read too much into what a particular paper does, even if it is groundbreaking. I'm like, hmm, uh, there's, you know, probably a way to do this in a simpler way. So I'm trying to get those core concepts from the paper. I'm not necessarily trying to replicate what they're doing. Actually, I never, never really am. What I'm really trying to do is like, uh, you know, Cherry pick and see, is this useful? Is this useful? Is this useful? And then Frankenstein into my own work. Again, the top-down approach where you take an idea, see if it works and not really look behind the curtain, but if it works, you try to integrate into. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I feel like that's a much more efficient way to operate, honestly. Uh, yeah, like, there's a number of reasons why I, I, I like that approach better. Um, you know, for one, uh, I think you have to lead by experiment and, and, and empirical evidence uh, because that's your ultimate truth. And that's, if you don't do that, you'll be led astray by clever ideas that <laughs> don't actually pan out in reality, right? I mean, that happens all the time, honestly. Uh, I mean, it's really kind of funny if you think about it, like uh, batch norm, right? You know, batch norm is used all over the place everywhere yeah. deep learning when it came out just like any other uh deep learning paper it had a whole bunch of math that looked really impressive and it laid out why and how it worked right yeah but then you may know what two years two later. Years, <laughs> yes <laughs> there's another paper that came out that said oh wait a minute <laughs> you know batch form works you, you know we know that but it doesn't work the way you thought it did, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny, right? Like, because you had all this, you know, really impressive looking math, spelling out how it worked, you know, but yet the, the, the core concept was wrong, right? Yep. So that's how I look at this stuff. It's like, I find that, I find that to be a particularly striking example because it's like so many people are looking at the same thing. Yep. At you know, and using it. Right. Yeah. So uh, that, that blew me away, honestly. Um, but I think that happens quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I'm not trying to be anti intellectual here per se, but it's, it's just, I feel like if you get too wrapped up in uh, clever ideas, it can actually be a trap because you get convinced of the correctness by 
how impressive the theorem is or, you know, something like that, as opposed to, again, your ultimate truth is, does it work or not? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's so again, like going back, uh, you had this decade long experience of software engineering. Did you find that helpful uh, again while doing fast day and while approaching the project? Uh, this question uh, to credit is by Vrinda Prabhu from the AMA section. Yeah. Uh, software, software engineering, I think is really helpful for this field actually. Uh, and but I have a, a, a bit of a different perspective on it, I think. Uh, so I, as a software engineer, I, I, I viewed software engineering as problem solving distilled and, and like complex problem solving distilled. Like, like if you really want to get good at it, that's what you focus on. Um, because I think there's a lot of people that want to focus on like, you know, the syntax of a particular language or like, you know, what does this framework do or this framework do? And don't get me wrong, that stuff is helpful, right? You can, you know, it's, it, it is helpful to have that stuff up on, on the uh, top of your mental stack to be able to be efficient at putting together new things. But, um, you know, the, the real, the, the, the thing that I think truly distinguishes uh, people that are effective at software development and, and people who are not are, are the people that don't bury themselves in the messes that they make. Like, cause you can, you can make things, you can make just about anything way overly complex very quickly. Yeah. And the problem with that, even for, I, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Um, we all have, very limited mental capacity. Um, we have very limited short-term memory, for example, you know, you know, like they, I think it's like uh, what six to nine digits or something like that, that you can remember. Yeah. That's why phone numbers are like that length. Uh, so we have very severe uh, mental limitations that you have to work with and acknowledge, you know, and if, if you, if you learn the techniques to work with those uh, limitations effectively, then you can do a lot more than you would otherwise. And that's, that's the challenge also comes in because making it complex might sound cool on Reddit or in your own hacker circle where you have these nerds, but it probably won't sail outside of that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you're kind of dead ending yourself. <laughs> Something that, it's clever, but it doesn't actually like, you know, turn into something uh, very useful. Um, yeah. So that's basically what the job of a software engineer is in my mind. Uh, if you really look at it is uh, conquering mount complexity. Um, and in fact, that's, that's, you know, I, I, I uh, helped devise our uh, software engineering test at work. And that's how we, that's how I designed it. It was that um, it, it would try to um, distinguish who, who could tackle com complexity successfully and, and who couldn't, as opposed to like uh, fizz buzz or, you know, something like that. The, the simple test that really just, you know, like my CTO likes to say is uh, testing whether or not you can fog a spoon. <laughs> okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny that way. Uh, so, um, I think that translates directly to uh, ML, right? 
in uh, machine learning with uh, these deep learning models, we just keep getting more and more complexity piled on, right? Yeah. And I think it's very easy to get lost in that and to uh, not see the forest for the trees, right? Like the, to, to, to not get the big picture of what you're doing. Um, so introducing that discipline into uh, what I've been doing and just, you know, ruthlessly trying to simplify over and over and over again and taking papers that I read and try to simplify over and over again and just keep on working that, that iteration. That has been the thing that I think has been a real advantage for me as a software engineer coming into this field. That's what I think Jeremy also tries to propagate through, especially the second part of the course where he actually gives you a walkthrough of how they iterate over the code. How do you refactor it constantly? Yeah. And oh, yeah, he's, oh yeah, he's a big fan of refactoring. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, coming to the code base, I, I was going, I went to the code base and I was expecting to have a huge code base since the last time I checked <laughs> during the previous interview, but I counted the lines. It's close to 1.5 thousand lines, which is not a lot. Could you no. give us a walkthrough of the code base and how is it so small, even given the like amazing results? Well, I can tell you, there's actually some superfluous code in there too that I haven't deleted okay. yet. <laughs> I, I, actually, I, yeah, that's the funny thing. I, I, I kind of feel bad about that code because like I didn't go through, go through it like I normally do and refactor it like ruthlessly. It's I kinda, I, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I kind of, I was kind of sloppy about it because I've been like uh, a little too excited to get to the next thing on the oldify yeah. <laughs> constantly. So I haven't taken t the time to slow down, which is, which I do think is a mistake actually. Uh, so yeah, I mean the code base is very simple. I mean, it's just, you know, so first of all, it's built on fast AI. That's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. You know, fast AI and PyTorch. Uh, fast AI provides, you know, a lot of the plumbing to, you know, do all the training and, you know, has the uh, code to read the data. And uh, to augmentations are a big deal. Uh, so, you know, fast AI provides all that plumbing. Uh, that being said, you know, what I added was, um, you know, I customized their dynamic unit. So that's, it's, it's a slight, slightly different variation of that. And now, now keep in mind, I have to remember what I did for that versus what I'm working on now. Okay. <laughs> it, it is different. Uh, okay. So I'm going to try to be accurate here. Uh, so there's uh, some custom code around the unit, uh, which is the generator and the critic, uh, but it doesn't deviate too much. And then um, the loss function is the feature loss. I added that. And uh, let's see what else. Um, augment, I added some augmentations to like simulate uh, film grain, you know, with basic Gaussian noise and Poisson noise. Uh, Were you familiar with this mathy terms before you started the project or did you find them out after working on it? The, the math, sorry, the mathy terms? The mathy terms, Gaussian uh, noise, etc. Again, oh, the sorry. Terms. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was familiar with that stuff before. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, actually, that was uh, that was actually uh, something interesting. Like I uh, that using Gaussian noise, uh, I wasn't sure about because I was like, yeah, it seems a 
like a very loose approximate approximation to what you know film noise is and film grain uh so i wasn't sure if it was going to work but you know it's one of those things that's like uh, you just don't know until you try and so i experimented with it and it actually did work pretty well hmm. um I, again it, i just like to say that because like that's a really good example in my mind of like uh leading leading by experiment as yep. opposed to uh getting trapped in over over analysis as yeah. to why or why something should or should not work i think right? again to quote an example you might get stuck in the loop of going through transformers for example if you're working on nlp and if you have an intuitive idea that might get buried in case you are again stuck in that loop for example yeah right uh yeah so i i think it's actually a really good discipline in general to um kind of assume that you're probably wrong in some way <laughs> and like uh assume that uh you're missing something uh you know i i mean i yeah don't get me wrong i mean i, I i'm saying I, what i'm saying is is that it's to err is, hum, is human basically mm-hmm. and i hope i said that right <laughs> uh uh and chances are, especially when you're dealing with uh, new things, is that you're going to be missing something big. Um, so that's another reason why I like to lead with uh, experiments because, um, you know, no matter how clever an idea is that you, or, or how airtight you think it is, there is the very real possibility this is fleshed out by a ton of evidence out there throughout history that we are going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, it's, it's, it's no matter how clever you are. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it's a very easy mistake to make where uh, you, you can make like a, a sort of airtight proof in your head about why something should work. Mm-hmm. But the key fatal fatal flaw in it is the underlying assumptions mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. And th- those are actually the things that we usually get wrong. Yeah. And again, that's, you know, the underlying assumptions are the things that you find out by actually running it. That's true. Now I, I want to again, point out this fact that I'd, I'd like to mention you as quote you as the Edison of GANs where you failed all of these thousand plus experiments, I believe, how did you document your approach for me? Like if, <laughs> if I fail an experiment, it's just RM, RF, I'm not doing this anymore. I am, I'm done with this. I probably just shut down my computer. How do you not give uh, up? Uh, <laughs> well, okay. The way I document it and I don't recommend this is <laughs> I have a file called to do dot text. I have it in Dropbox. That, that part is good. So at least it's backed up. <laughs> <laughs> And so to do dot text was originally my to do list, but then I just started piling a whole bunch of notes in there about what <laughs> works and what doesn't. Okay. And it's really long now. And it has like, I don't even know what's in there anymore. <laughs> I just keep putting it in there. Okay. And, and so I, I keep procrastinating uh, and thinking, okay, one day I'm going to actually organize this into something uh, useful. <laughs> now, <laughs> I laugh, but like the thing is, is that that is actually 
kind of hurting me because I know I've at least a few times I've uh, repeated an experiment like in some way, like I, I, I did actually figure out something already. And then after I run it and I, <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I already knew that. <laughs> That's okay. my answer. I'm, I'm really sloppy. <laughs> okay. Uh, so a lot of it, I mean, I am writing it down. You have to, uh, but I've been uh, really keeping it in my head, which is bad. <laughs> also like now, it's amazing Deolify is amazing. We're all fans of it, but how did you not give up? Like, I don't think of any examples that were as good. So you, I think you might have question if at all it's possible or not. How did you not give up when the experiments were not working at all? Um, so this is actually where my experience as a software engineer really came in handy. So over the years, and this, this is something I gradually developed, you know, this is not something that I, always had but i gradually developed this conviction that there's uh there's a solution out there waiting to be found and that problem solving a lot of times really boils down to being a search problem so like one of the very first things i tell people uh new engineers coming in at work is that you know before you come up with a theory of why something isn't working when you're debugging for example uh, narrow down the time and space first. Just do something that's, don't, don't even begin worrying about coming up with a theory yet. Collect the evidence first. Uh, so that's, that's how I approach a lot of this stuff is like, uh, I really do think the solution is out there. And, and it, you know, it's not, it's not unreasonable to think. I mean, it's like, you know, even before I, I, started to work on this stuff like you, you know as you mentioned there were there were other deep learning models for colorization they weren't as good right yeah. so you know the proof of concept was out there it's like you know that's where things were going right and gans were doing awesome stuff outside of that you know already uh, you know already at that point progressive gans from nvidia were out making really impressive looking faces yeah. So I, it wasn't really a big <laughs> mental leap. You know, the, the challenge is, 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 yeah, fighting, giving up, you know, and, and, and I would even go as far as to say uh, fighting self-doubt, you know, like thinking that you aren't smart enough to find it. I think really that's the real thing that you have to fight more than anything else. Yeah. And I, I think it's, again, a learning experience as well. Like you have to keep getting better while example, for example, solving any problem. So you have to also fight the self-doubt while also improving your skills, trying to solve that problem. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of learning <laughs> along the way. <laughs> and you don't know what you're going to have to learn until you get there. Yeah. That's the other thing. You also got to collaborate with uh, Jeremy and Sylvain. Yeah on working on Nogans. Can you tell us about that research experience and how was the collaboration experience like? So yeah, to give a little context on that, uh, Jeremy and Sylvan and Rachel were my three heroes in the field. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so when Jeremy contacted me uh, after I put out my Deoldify work, I was ecstatic, you know, and, and it was like a dream come true. I mean, it really was. 
so yeah, he contacted me about uh, wanting to incorporate uh, some of the work in Deoldify uh, somehow into uh, his lesson seven of part two, uh, part one, sorry. Um, and we were to do for, that in, sorry, for the audience, there, there's multiple versions of the course and multiple oh, yeah. of the library now. <laughs> so what Jason just referred to is version one of the library and version three of the course. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. You're right. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It, no, it, it's confusing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So we were to do this work in like two weeks. And it was kind of, it was really crazy ambitious in hindsight because, uh, you know, like what, you know, like I said earlier, like what, what, what we were trying to do is make uh, GANs uh, practical for uh, the fast AI audience, you know, where they can run it on their desktop and train it in a few hours and get really cool results on, in this case, super resolution, right? Uh, so yeah, that's naturally, you know, that's where I went back to what Jeremy and had been teaching this entire time, which is, you know, the virtues of, uh, transfer learning. Like that's, you know, he, he, almost, almost everything seemed to be improved by that wherever you, you added that. So, uh, that's where I suggested to him, like, you know, I think to make this, uh, effort practical, you know, to make it trained in a few hours as opposed to a few days, we should uh, try to do transfer learning for, for GANs. Yep. And you know, keep in mind that, that really wasn't being done at that point for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, so that's what we tried to create in, in two weeks and we actually succeeded and it was really fun. Uh, like I'd never had this experience where just, you know, you're working with someone and you just, uh, and all these ideas are just flying and they just click and just, uh, it, it just flowed so well. It just, yeah. the best way to describe it, it was a wonderful feeling. Uh, and it was crazy too. I, I like, I, I don't know how many people know this, but, uh, the last bit of code that was committed for that notebook that Jeremy used <laughs> that night for, for that, that portion I, I committed that partly because I made a really dumb mistake like four hours before he taught the course, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really funny, <laughs> but it all worked out in the end. <laughs> I do remember we, so the people who were a live audience, we used to have our chat and I saw your icon in the commit thread and I mentioned, Hey, Jason's <laughs> on the lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you saw it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, could you tell us more about how you collaborated about the ideas or experiments? How were those discussed, tracked, or worked upon during that duration? Oh man, uh, you know, honestly, it was such a blur. Uh, like we, yeah, I, we just we we basically did what you know I'm used to doing, which is. Uh, leading by experiment. Does this work? Does this work? No, no, no. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that we wound up doing is going with weight norm instead of uh, spectral norm. Uh, but again, that was just uh, experiment after experiment. That's all it boiled down to. It was just, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know what else to say to that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Got it. Um, now coming to the video results of uh, 
no uh, again deulify uh, you had you were kind enough to share with them with me way before it went public but can you tell us how did deulify get better enough to work with continuous images videos as we call it yeah uh that was a really interesting problem uh because i think that's one of those things is one of those problems that people thought was a lot harder than it actually was um i think this is this is a a really good case of where um i, I don't know for lack of a better term uh, thinking outside the box really comes in handy uh with problem solving and that you question basic assumptions and the basic assumption there was that you needed temporal modeling for uh to do effective videos right to, to, to get rid of the flicker and stuff like that now granted the oldify still has some problems with with you know some flicker to a certain extent but i i, I would argue it's it's watchable right like like it, it's a pretty good effect right and i'm pretty happy with it um but the key insight there was that so this guy uh robert bell from arizona randomly contacted me with some uh back in january with some videos he did with the original deoldify okay where where he uh colorized them frame by frame and they look really bad <laughs> 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 I mean, he was happy with them. He's like, because I, I, because I, he saw you know the potential in them. I think, and I was like, and I, I did share his excitement with that to a certain extent. But I was like, yeah, it looks pretty bad. Like what in, I expected. In hindsight, it, it looks bad now. <laughs> yeah, because okay. it, because because it had these glitches, right? Like the glitches that I was very used to. You know, where things get these weird red highlights and stuff. And uh, but when I was looking at it closer. So this is like a, a really good example, actually, of like just you know paying attention to the evidence, right? And and paying attention to uh, the unexpected. So um, I was looking at what was actually going on a little bit closer, and I was like, well, you know, the underlying images, if you get rid of the glitches, are actually really stable, right? Uh, it's just these this mess that I got to clean up. And I'm pretty sure this is coming 100% from the GAN training portion. <laughs> and it just turned out a month previously, you know, we had worked on the, the uh, what became known as no GAN, yeah. right? The uh, GAN pre-training stuff. So I just put two and two together there and I was like, huh, yeah, you know what? You could probably get rid of these glitches and make decent video and deoldify by, by using uh, this GAN pre-training process. So basically the idea is you're, you're avoiding GANs as much as possible and you're, and you're getting the benefits without yeah. the problems. So that's where it came from. Uh, so so that, that's, that is the line of thinking that, that uh, started it. Now, figuring out how to actually make it work took a while longer. Uh, but again, it was, uh, it was a matter of paying attention to the evidence and experimenting. Uh, and in this case, so, so I, I, in hindsight, I was kind of doing something a little bit crazy, uh, which is I was doing um, the scan training on pretty small batch sizes, you know, because I was running it on a, a desktop, a very um, humble, normal desktop with this, you know, uh, NVIDIA. Single 1080p. GPU? 
yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that introduces additional problems, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I noticed over time that the, 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 the results I was getting through this training were a little bit crazy in that sometimes, you know, if you ran it to one point, it was good. And then if you ran it a little bit longer, it was bad. And then if you ran it a little longer, it was good again, <laughs> like the sine wave. Right. The, the loss doesn't make sense for a GAN most of the time. So you don't have any early stopping. You can't manually inspect the loss curve, so to speak. Well, that's what I've seen. Yeah. That, and that was dri- that, that's what was driving me nuts. Is like, I, I can't make heads or tails of this. And, you know, it's very tempting when you see stuff like that, that to, to, to think, oh, I, this is beyond my understanding. Someone, I hope someone else figures this out eventually. Um, but, um, uh, I decided to one day just look at it really closely at fine, fine detail. Like, okay, where exactly is the point where glitches are actually introduced? Okay. So I was actually taking the model snapshots at like the nearest like 50th interval or something like that. Makes sense. And like very small. And, and I was doing it early on. Mm-hmm. And I was and I was looking at the images, and and lo and behold, there was a specific point where all of a sudden it got way worse. But before that, it was just getting better, and better, and better. So that's where like, it ah. overfit. <laughs> yeah. So that that's that's where I was like, ah, there's something useful here. There's a small window of opportunity where you are getting benefits, and then all of a sudden it just starts accruing all this garbage. Uh, now I didn't have I didn't have the resources to confirm if you know increasing the batch size would mitigate that and it does uh, okay. uh, which which makes sense right but you know what 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 I found exciting was that even in this uh, very limited resource regime you could still find a way to make this stuff work right makes sense <laughs> so yeah that's where that came from. Got it. Do you have any suggestions for people who are looking to improve this? Do you think there are any aspects off the top of your head that can be improved in the near future? Oh, sure. It's not perfect. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as long as it's not perfect, it can be improved. Uh, but the, 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 the lack of perfection specifically, uh, uh, I always want things to be more colorful. You know, I, I really want to get away from uh, everything being blue and pink and purple <laughs> right <Yeah>. and red <laughs> i mean I, I i've gotten away from that to a certain extent uh i'm really happy with the latest results i have with this new model i'm working on but um you know it's still there um so that i think that's going to be a challenge for quite a while because like i said it's a you know very unconstrained problem especially yep. with clothing and stuff uh, uh something that i pretty much believe or not I feel like I've solved is making it uh, reliable in terms of like, you can, you don't have to fiddle around with uh, render settings. Uh, I call it the render factor for uh, the Oldify where, you know, you'd have to render a different resolution to get the best result. That's something I've been working really hard to uh, make obsolete. Mm -hmm. And I've actually succeeded in that. I would, I would say Um, that's, what's going into the commercial work that okay. I've been doing. Yeah. Got it. 
I'd also like to just to mention it for the audience. Can you tell us the hardware where you created Deoldify and has it changed since then? Same hardware. Yeah, I, I, just to be clear, uh, you can train this stuff on a 1080 Ti and that's generally, even though I, I actually have four GPUs, but I use them to uh, run four different experiments generally. Uh, so, I like to keep it that way. But all of this was created on a single GPU so far. Yeah. Who's worried about DGX, for example, they, they can still do this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the point of it, too. I, I, yeah, I really, again, I really like Jeremy's uh, vision of fast AI that you're democratizing uh, deep learning. So I like to keep this stuff, you know, running on a gaming PC level uh, of hardware. Yeah. Now for someone who hasn't had their app idea yet, if I may, what advice or uh, any suggestions, if you could maybe share a few from your yeah. to-do list. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So, so, uh, okay. So the preface is like ideas are definitely uh, cheap, right? Like, like, you know, what I used to say as a software engineer, um, was that if you have any given problem, chances are that not only is somebody else run into it, but, but they've also written about it on Stack Overflow. It's a yeah. really good heuristic because it saves you a lot of time. And it was never wrong too. It's like, I, I always found somebody else ran into the same problem. So it's kind of a humbling experience too, because you're like, wow, <laughs> I cannot come up with anything original here. Uh, but that's not, so, you know, chances are any, any idea you have somebody at least thought of. So that's not really what's going to set you uh, apart, right? Uh, what's going to set you apart is whether or not you actually pursue that idea doggedly. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you're on the right path in terms of like being competitive on an idea not if it's novel, right? N novelty is not so important. Like it's rather if um, you keep hitting these pain points that you're struggling with and you eventually succeed, but you have the tenacity to do so. Cause then you know that other people will have to run into that same thing. Yeah. And there's a very good chance that they're going to give up somewhere on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've accrued a lot of those over the past year with this stuff. So that's, you know, for that reason, I'm like, Oh, you know, we probably have a pretty good competitive advantage with this, uh, you know, this mobile app, uh, for some time, even though I know Google's working on this problem too, <laughs> you know, like it's kind of intimidating to think about that, but you know, at the same time, you know, a lot of these, these, uh, uh, problems are things that can only really be solved by, having a dedicated person sit down and just really love it and, and embrace it and, and you know, live and, and live and breathe the problem for quite a while. Yeah. So that's my long winded way of saying, uh, don't focus on the ideas so much as the execution. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't have a real physical uh, gift to hand to you, but I'd like to hand you a virtual Chai Time Data Science Award because Jeremy mentioned on this interview, <laughs> on his interview, that uh, Deoldify is his favorite project. And if you'd that. like to, <laughs> if you'd like to do an acceptance speech, for oh the boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
my acceptance speech is thank you, uh, Jeremy. Uh, and thank you, my supporters. Because uh, I, I, I do have to say, uh, that's been the coolest part about doing this is uh, the support I've been getting and the people I've been able to talk to and get to know. So, yeah, I'm truly thankful for that. I'm not just saying that because I have to do an acceptance speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's, it's really been great. We get to see a lot of this on Twitter again, doing a plug for you, but uh, there's old Ireland in color. I think there's also a few other Twitter oh, handles yeah. that are you doing this very extensively. Yeah, that's, that's been probably the coolest thing I've seen so far is, uh, yeah, Pakistan in color. Uh, there's old Argentina in color, uh, New Zealand. Well, uh, we took uh, America, and we're probably, probably going to start putting out stuff for that. Um, yeah, it's such a cool concept. Uh, John Breslin doing the Ireland one in particular is really executed quite well. I, I I love that guy. He's 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 been great. <laughs> he's like he's he's pretty much like the uh, the power user of the Oldify. So so this this has been an amazing conversation. My last question to you would be: Would you have uh, what best advice do you have for anyone just starting their machine learning or machine learning and software experience? Wow, huh? Yeah. So I, I would say for either for machine learning or software uh, development, if you're trying to get into those, um, going back to what I said earlier, it's just, um, it, it takes time and, you know, so you need to set aside time. Um, and, you, you know, if you find something that you're interested in, you, you know, allow yourself to dig into that. Don't feel guilty about it. Right. Uh, I, it's very broad advice. Um, but, I, I would also say uh, that I really am a big believer in how fast AI approaches uh, the, learn, the teaching process. Um, you can also you can take what they do and, and apply it to a whole bunch of other things in your life. With you know whether you're learning software development and so on, uh, which is again the you know the top down approach where you don't have to uh, uh, build up this huge library up front in your head of prerequisites, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's really funny. I mean, like people keep saying, Oh, you need to know all this linear algebra and calculus and <laughs> stuff like that. And they just do away with that. They just say, no algebra, that's it. And it's true. I mean, you know, the only thing you need to know from calculus to, I mean, I mean the only concept you need to uh, sort of get with uh, deep learning in terms of like calculus is like, you know, what a derivative is and what the chain rule is. Right. That's those are the two really big things, and they're really easy concepts, honestly. I mean, there's something that you don't have to have that huge context of years of calculus to get. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Awesome. Now, before we end the interview, I'd like to mention your social handles. Uh, we'll have your Twitter linked, and for the audience, if you just search for D D E Oldify, you'll probably find the repository <laughs> as well. But any other uh, platforms? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's the Twitter. So my, my Twitter handle, uh, C-I-T-N-A-J. We do have a Deoldify one. We just haven't been putting anything on there yet. Um, we, we <laughs> just so much work to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that, that, it's really hard with just two people. Uh, yeah, we have an Instagram, actually. Um, 
And then, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's under, no, Dana, Dana's Instagram. That's where she's been posting stuff. Sorry. This has okay. been also disorganized. Uh, <laughs> but we'll have yeah. that linked uh, in case uh, the audience wants to go check it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me, I, I'll have to send them to you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. So that get the GitHub is pretty much it. My, and my Twitter handle, that, those are the two uh, places to go uh, that are actively uh, maintained for this stuff right now. Uh, it's going to change uh, fairly soon. And yeah. uh, Jason, thank you so much for doing this interview and a huge thanks to you for all of your contributions to, if I may, a new field that you've created with Gans. Oh, yeah, thank you. This interview has been a huge pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give it a review or feel free to shoot me a message. You can find all of the social media links in the description. If you like the show, please subscribe and tune in each week to Chai Time Data Science.